Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. I'm Tara Bowen Biggs here with Danny Morang. And everyone, Dan is fighting off something. He's got a cold or the flu or something. He's not feeling great. So I would hope that all of our listeners could get right on Twitter and send him all of your best remedies. Send those directly to at DMorang because... We need him to uh, stay strong because the Blazers are having an amazing run, and we need Danny to be strong and being able to keep up. Don't you have, like, an un... Aren't you the only one of the outsiders who's been there, like, every night? Yes, I've, I've got the Iron Man streak going for the outsiders right now, so... you got to uh, keep up that streak, so an, listeners, an we're calling run. on you. Send Danny all your best home remedies, your favorite chicken soup recipes... Not chicken noodle, because as we all know, Danny is keto now. So just send him the straight up chicken soup recipes and uh, we will get you back on the on the side of wellness, Dan. Yeah, yeah, no, this, this is actually the best I've felt probably in like the past 48, 72 hours. So uh, now that I've made it past, I think what the, was the, the low point of the death flu. It's uh, it's time <laughs> to get ready and ready, ready for the home stretch here for the Blazers. So we got 16 games well, to go. And uh, I got I, I got to push through. And the, the team's beat yeah. up. I'm beat up. You know. We, you know. We're gonna do this together. You could do it. <laughs> I believe in you, Dan. Just like I believe in the Blazers. I believe in you. And speaking of, it has been a good week for the Portland Trail Blazers since we last talked. They've won three more games, bringing their winning streak to a total of nine, which happens to be the longest current streak in the league right now. They're in third place in the West. And even though I say that I don't check the standings, I had to do it right before this. But honestly, I've just given up looking at the standings because they just change every day. Yeah. That having been said, (laughs) Blazers are number three in the West, number five in the league right now. Overall, over the last three games, Damian Lillard has scored 104 points. He shot 47% from the field, 56% from three. And that's just Damian. CJ has averaged over the last week 23.7 points. Nurkic has averaged 12.3 plus 11.7 boards. Shabazz. So basically, you're getting 12, putting, 12 and 12 from Nurkic in like what, 20 minutes a night? Uh, 22. Yeah. Shabazz is putting up almost 10. And don't forget, Shirt off Ed has put in the work too. He's getting seven points and also 11.7 boards. So. We've got people all up and down the lineup who have been contributing over the last week. Of course, uh, first the Blazers took down the Lakers 109-103, which was a pretty close contest. And I believe uh, the Laker game tonight has actually been really exciting against the Cavaliers. So, you know, the Lakers aren't anybody to sneeze at right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm sitting here with, this, with the game on right now, and the Lakers literally just beat the brakes off the Cavs, and it was all on the back of Julius Randle, who just finished with 36, 14, and 7 on 14 wow. of 18 from the floor. He just absolutely murdered 
the Cavs inside. I mean, it was uh, – while we were prepping for the show, I saw him get three and one finishes at the rim. Bodies are flying. I mean, he's dunking on people. I mean, it was it was pretty – Pretty damn impressive. And uh, much like the Blazers, the Lakers have a serious decision to make uh, this offseason when it comes to Julius Randle because he's been the center of a lot of talks about, you know, potentially how much cap space he could take up and he could be the odd man out if they're trying to clear as much space as possible to lure a guy like a Paul George or, or a LeBron James to, uh, to Los Angeles. Okay, and that's enough Laker talk. <laughs> well, no, I mean, we'll the, that's, the, the Lakers are going to set the table. I mean, that's that's really the the the, the crux of free agency, and that's that's a, you know something we're going to talk about here. The Lakers, because they are the Lakers, are going to be that's going to be the the domino to fall. If one of these big stars is going to go somewhere, the, the the team with that the possible cap space is going to be Los Angeles, and then the uh, the the team that can play spoiler with with cap space wise um, are the Seventy Sixers and the Nets. So um, mm-hmm. those are, those are the three, you know, big pieces as far as Portland is concerned, and, and how things could shape up um, as far as who who could offer money to guys that Portland may potentially want to retain in the offseason. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in just a sec. Let me just finish winding up the this amazing week because we got to bask in it, enjoy it. Because like we discussed last week, no, things can change in a it. moment. <laughs> So, but my point about the Lakers was it was a tougher game because the Lakers are becoming a better team than they've been. Yeah, in they're the not last a, few they're years. not a doormat, and it took Damian Lillard's miraculous fourth quarter and absolutely torching Lonzo Ball, which I got a, a thorough amount of enjoyment on. Um, I mean, th- those four threes that he hit. I mean, the one where he pulled up from the S on the Lakers logo. When he pulled it, I didn't even get mad. It was, I just stood up on the couch with my hands raised, you know, giving giving all praise to the basketball gods <laughs> for that moment because you knew as soon as he let it go. And even Calabro, Calabro, like he had the Holy Ghost. He's popping up, yelling and screaming. I mean, it was it was something special. I mean, when, and really for for Blazers fans, that was uh, that was. I mean, not just that game, but really that's been Damian Lillard almost every game for the past. Month, it's Month. been it's been nuts. <laughs> yeah, since just before the really since bef- just before the uh, All Star break, probably. Yeah, it was a uh, it was lovely to see. Always always great to get a win over the Lakers. Always, and I don't know how do you feel about this. For me personally, the the better the Lakers get, the more satisfying I find the wins. Now, yeah, what, not what everybody it, feels 14, that way. Is it fourteen straight now? I think that might have been the 15th. 15th straight now. So, yeah, it's, it's like you can hear me open up my carbonated beverage to keep my throat from going completely <laughs> sideways. I apologize. Um, but, yeah, no, I, people talk about is there a rivalry with the Lakers, and, and maybe just because I'm from Southern California. But I, I take a thorough amount of enjoyment in every time that they, they, they just absolutely waste the purple and gold. <laughs> well, anyway, so that that was a great game. That was a fun game, and then we met one of the a the teams that is uh, heading for the tank, the Knicks. Blazers took care of business, one eleven to eighty seven. Yeah, they came out a little sleepy, and, while- and then they dropped they dropped the haymaker, and that that was good to see because we haven't seen that all season, right? I mean, before this this rush where you were kind of wondering. Um, what's what's going for this on? Streak anyway. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you like you were kind of what's going on with this team. And mm-hmm. with that, you get the uh, the comfort that comes with knowing that 
you you see a game on the schedule they're supposed to win and then boom they take care of business right. and i think that at least for me has been as, as enjoyable as this winning streak has been it's been more about hey there's teams on this schedule that you you need to beat the kings the lakers the knicks the suns those are games that you should win and when you're and when you're doing that um it's for at least for me it's much more enjoyable to not just to win, but to know that the things that you're counting on are happening. And instead of asking questions why you get to go, hey, this is this is fun. I mean, if you drop a game well, to the to the Timberwolves or the Thunder, I mean, or the or even the Warriors, I mean, if you drop those games, you go, okay, you know, that's the NBA. But teams <laughs> like the Knicks, if you drop that game, this team has dropped games like that early in the season. Those those games, the, they bother me more than sometimes in some of the really big wins. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We know that you don't like bad wins. No, <laughs> no bad wins here. And this is, this is the great thing about this streak. None of these have been bad wins. Literally every no, single that, one of them has been a good win. Right. Yeah. Even though even the the closest one against the Lakers was a good one. You know, the thing that I've enjoyed about this streak is watching the Blazers play and knowing without a doubt that they are the better team. Yeah, at least especially in those games like you're talking about, because, you know, I keep hearkening back to those old days when I first started really watching with Clyde and and, um, they were the better team nine out of ten nights and they were the better team. And you just knew. And and it was really funny because I actually. you know, so the third game uh, that, that was, of course, the uh, Blazers just taking it to the team from the Bay Area, one twenty to five to one oh eight, which was just a thing of beauty from start to finish. Uh, I mean, it, it was it took them a while for them to gain control of the game, but again, knowing that they were good enough to do it was great. I turned around and I watched it the next day and I was like pretending that I didn't know the Blazers were going to (laughs) win. I was like, like, Oh, I wonder how they're going to, you know, where, where was the moment where things turned around? And I was kind of watching it with that type of uh, attitude where like, okay, I mean, I know they're going to win, but you know, when, when's the, when are they going to start playing? Like they're going to win the game. And I was like, is this what it's like to be a fan of that team is just like to always know you're going to win. Yeah, no, I mean, I was saying, watching a replay. It's a of it. really rewarding feeling, knowing that, and it, even this is if this team isn't the best team in the league, it's it's again, it comes back to, at least to it's me nice to, to know they're better than a lot of other teams. Exactly, it's and just uh, really nice. Th- it is. It, there's something profoundly joyful in that, in knowing that that these guys can do that, and that's I think that that was probably my biggest complaint earlier in the season is that. You know that this team's a good team, and, and there, there is clearly a, a step between them and the, the top of the top. I mean, that's – I don't think that's a slight yeah. by any means. Um, but to be there in the conversation, and that, that's how you build a, a winner. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. how you build upon a franchise is you start doing these things night in and night out. That's how you become a San Antonio that's how you just keep grinding and getting better and better year after year. And when that happens, the, it becomes contagious. And it, 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 when you start, if you, if you fall off at all, I think that the fan base then becomes critical of, of the, of the franchise and they hold them more accountable. And I, I think that's, that's something that I like to see more of here. When the team plays well, it becomes more of a, Hey, no, you should have won that game. Not a, well, you tried your hardest. And I think that's the difference between something we've talked about in the past, between 
you know, wanting and enjoying the team and wanting a championship contending team. And it feels like as Portland's played better, it almost feels like the fan base is starting to shift that way um, towards, hey, you know what? They, this, they should be this good. They should be winning these games. And if they, if they have an off night somewhere, they, they take a look at it and go, no, that's, that's, not, that's not acceptable. You, you guys need to figure out a way to get this done. And that, to me, is actually fun. I know that's, that's crazy for people to understand, but I do have fun. <laughs> uh, it almost sounds like you feel like this team is headed in the right direction, Dan. Yeah, no, right now. Or I is mean, that the fever talking? No, I mean, it, it could be. I mean, I've got, I probably have like 101 fever, so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know what I've been thinking too over the last few days? One of the things I'm really happy about in the last few days, uh, we, this, this entire season, even when the Blazers were, you know, didn't come out with, you know, like we thought they were going to or whatever. And in December when they were struggling, we never have had the tank conversation that never even came up. And I am so grateful for that because <laughs> well, they, they, when you're right on the edge of that, too much... I mean, I know. Yeah. I know how what you're that you're going to try to turn this into a conversation about how if we tanked two years ago we would be ahead of the game blah 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 whatever we're not going to talk about that I just want to put it on record that I am happy that we've never even had to broach that topic we this don't year. have it's to been because pleasant change of pace yeah no we don't have to because of the talent I mean even if this team fell short of expectations they couldn't tank with with the tankers I mean the. Because the draft rules are changing and because of the way the NBA is handling things now, like Portland would legitimately have to sit Dame and CJ. Like they would play for like maybe 10 minutes a night at most in order to, to be with the teams that are at the bottom of the bottom right now. Right, man. Um, Memphis is on a very impressive uh, losing streak. I think. Yeah. No, the, the, the 17, 19 da- <laughs> Dallas, Memphis, um, Atlanta, Orlando, Sacramento, Phoenix. I mean, they, yeah, Memphis has lost 15 or 17 straight. Phoenix has lost five straight. Um, somebody who, who did, who did uh, New York has lost seven straight. It was Memphis and Dallas played, right? And it was the first time a team had matched up with, I think, like back or both teams had like 10 game losing streaks. It's the first time since like so the somebody 70s. had to win. Somebody <laughs> had to win, basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, uh, you've, got, so, you've got like 18, so or like 22 or 23 wins or less. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it would have been next to impossible for Portland to even approach that. Well, we're gonna. I want to move on uh, now. We've we've recapped where the Blazers are, and we are feeling pretty good about things right now. Is that a fair assessment of the situation? We're feeling like the Blazers are playing well, like they've got a bright future. Um, and we got our first email. I'm so excited. Yay. Um, Dylan sent us an email, and he wanted to know thoughts on what we should and will pay for key restricted free agents at this point in the season if free agency was to begin now. I think that's a great question, and I really like how he phrased it, if it was going to start right now. So the way everything is, everybody playing the way they're playing right now, um, uh, what – what are the trailblazers going to have to pay for some of these, uh, these agents? So he said, key restricted free agents. Um, I wrote down the four we've got, um, Nurkic, Shabazz and Connaughton are all restricted. And of course, Ed Davis, because I always want to talk about Ed Davis. I'm going to throw him into the mix too. Although he is unrestricted. Correct. Uh, we're, 
who do you want to start with? Um, I, I start with the big one. Yeah. The big one is the, because that's, that's the domino that has to fall. Mm-hmm. Nurkic. Yeah. I mean that Portland has to decide what they're going to do with Nurkic and there's just okay. so many different ways you can go. Um, so but- I've been thinking about this a lot. I want to throw my idea out there and then you can take it and go with it. Cause I've been thinking about this a lot and also trying to figure out exactly how free agency works, which is so complicated. But anyway, <laughs> so Nurkic at the end of the season, the Blazers have to give him a qualifying offer. And if he accepts the qualifying offer, then he is a Blazer through the end of the season. And then after that, he is an unrestricted free agent. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. So the qualifying offer, does the qualifying offer have to be like his salary plus 125% or whatever, or is it anything the Blazers want to offer him? No. Like, can they offer him more than the minimum or is it no, a set so amount? For him, the qualifying offer, because he reaches the starter um, tag that's, that's brought out in the CBA, he's entitled to what the number nine pick from his draft got plus uh, want to say it's a hundred and ten, hundred percent. Yeah. So it ends up being like four, 4.6, I think 4.5 okay. million off the top of my head. I'm trying to do rough numbers here. So, thinking so do the Blazers draft. have to offer that exact amount or can they offer more if they want to? That's you know? just that's just the qualifying the offer. You, 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 you have okay. to extend the qualifying offer, which okay. would then lock up that, that amount. Okay, so here is my my hail mary on this one because this is um, your I th- think, this is your I don't want Nurkic back, but here let me do it gently. Take no, I've I've actually come around to him, and I would be I would be totally fine. Like I've 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 seen just to, I don't know if that, I just wasn't seeing it before. I think I've seen like maturity from him um, over the course of this season that I'm liking. And I don't know, like I said, if I just wasn't looking for the right things or if he has matured and started, um, you know, playing in a way that I, uh, that I like more. Um, but it doesn't matter what I think, right. It matters what the trailblazers think. And I think the trailblazers need to do everything they can to get him to take that offer, which I know seems like a pipe dream, but if he doesn't take that qualifying offer, somebody is going to go offer him a ridiculous amount of money, and I'm afraid the Blazers are going to match it because that's what they always do. And, you know, guess who has money, and guess who's done this to us before? Brooklyn has a bunch of money. So I'm afraid if the Blazers don't you know, talk Nurkic into signing uh, or accepting the qualifying offer. And I have a couple of reasons why he, I think he should, if they can't talk him into that, someone's going to go just for spite, offer a huge amount just to, you know, get it, you know, stick it to the trailblazers and the trailblazers are probably going to take it. So anyway, here's, here's my thoughts on why uh, Nurkic might actually be willing to take less. I really think that, they, the, the Blazers have a compelling argument to tell him that, look, do you want to go somewhere where you don't know anyone? You don't know what that team is like. You're happy here with Damian Lillard. You're happy here with your team. The fans like you. They've, you know, we've been a little bit, it's been a little bit rough, but, you know, fans, everybody's coming around. Wouldn't you rather stay somewhere where you know 
And then that gives us an extra year to get our house in order and we can have a better chance of being able to offer you more. I, so I, have, my brain, I have 14 million reasons why that, he won't do that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's your, your turn. That, that, that's the that's my pipe dream. Yeah. Like I said, that's just me there, thinking there's... like, what can we do to prevent somebody else from giving him a giant massive offer that the, the trailblazers then match because that's what they do. There's, there's no reason for him to do it. There, there's just, there's just no reason for him to do it at all. Um, it's, it's but life. He already it's, was somewhere no, that he it, wasn't it, happy. It, Do you want to try that again? It's life changing money. And you don't know how much I mean, longer you have. Already, he already and has a ton of money. You'll go ahead and tell it to every NBA free agent ever. <laughs> because I've okay. never, okay. I've never seen any free agent, especially on their, especially on their first deal. Take that much of a pay cut. It's just not the the, qual- the qualifying offer will be put out there, and Portland will pray to God that somebody doesn't go absolutely bananas with a, with an offer sheet. But they will. I, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. Now it seemed like Brooklyn because we, we've that's talked about that's what I would them. do. Well, the, here's the thing: Brooklyn's still in a position where while they have a bunch of money, their guys are getting older. The, Brooklyn is basically what Portland was a few years ago. But if Brooklyn starts handing out money hand over fist to everybody. Then they'll find themselves in the position that Portland is in now. If you have bad cap sheets with Alan Crabb, and if you offer Yusuf Nurkic fourteen or fifteen million dollars, and you've got D'Angelo Russell coming up, and you you've got a guy like Levert who wants to get paid too, and you, I mean you just start kind of going down the list of guys who the Nets want to keep, and you you start paying for potential as opposed to paying for production. They go from having guys on nice deals to having a bunch of guys with eh, so-so or overpaid deals. And when you have a bunch of those, they stack up and they hurt you in the long run. And that's why that's why I'm a little bit hesitant to think that the Nets go just totally crazy with an offer sheet. Now, I would expect that Nurkic hits probably 10 to 11 million. But Here's the thing as far as Portland is concerned. Portland has played Nurkic 22 minutes a night over the past, basically, what, two months? 22 to 24 minutes. He's producing. His field goal percentage is going up and his usage rate is going up. Um, and he's when he's out there, he's basically giving you a double-double night in and night out. But he's not the guy that's closing the lineup every night. It's Collins. Mm-hmm. It's Davis. Hell, it was Myers Leonard one night. Um it's it's been uh, uh, kind of a Terry Stott special, like who he feels comfortable mm-hmm. with, um, and I don't know if Portland is going to value a guy that they aren't a hundred percent comfortable with night in night out to pay ten million more plus two because they've made that mistake with Myers, they made that mistake with Harkless, they then they clearly made that mistake with with Turner and Crab. Uh, by but the, the, I don't know the thing that's different with Nurkic that's different from the from Mo and Myers is that somebody else nobody else offered them any money so that's a whole different well clearly but that, <laughs> like, that, that, here's the thing is, is that if Portland does this they're going to start the clock on the repeater tax uh huh that that's that's going they, to happen unless they find a miracle to trade away one of Harkless Leonard or Turner, which everybody I've talked to around the league is adamant that that won't happen. Here's the other thing. 
as far as Harkless goes, not to get off track here too much. If the Blazers were to trade Maurice Harkless, who isn't performing up to his contract, who are they going to replace him with? Mm-hmm. Like the, Portland is so thin at that forward position, they almost they can't afford to trade him. So that leaves mm-hmm. basically Turner or, or Leonard, and neither one of them are, are tradable around the NBA right now. So Portland's in this weird position where they can't afford to let Nurkic walk, but they can't afford to overpay him. So basically, if you're Nurkic's agent right now, you're thrilled because you've got Portland by the brass ones. Nurkic Except is going for- to get his money. Yeah. I mean, one way or the other. Do you think he's going to get it from Portland or from someone else? I think Portland's got a number in mind. That's that's what I think. I think Portland has a number in mind. I think it's probably 10 to 11. I think think that's the absolute most. Somebody else is going to offer 13. Like, I'm sure that's. Isn't that what happened with Crab? Yeah. I'm sure they had a number and then somebody else comes up with 17. They will learn their lesson. If they don't, dear God, help them. Okay, well, I I hope they learn their lesson. This is starting to keep me up at night, and I don't want to be kept up at night about this. But um, but Tara, there's nothing okay, you well, can do you about for... it. What? There's nothing you can do about it. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it was good to talk. It was good to talk through it. I still think I still think if I could get in a room with him, I could make him a compelling argument that it made him think about it. I think. I could get him to give it some serious consideration, taking that qualifying offer. I believe that I could give him a compelling reason and that he would at least consider it. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a weird situation that, I mean, not to get all dramatic, but it, it's going to drastically shape how Portland um, is defined going forward as far as roster mm-hmm. composition. Because like I said, it's, they're, they're in a position where they need his production but they need it at a level where it's still commensurate to salary. Yeah, I mean they do. <laughs> that that's the that's the thing. It was like, you know, to, 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 they don't even like, need it commensurate. They need it at a bargain. Let's move this on to Ed Davis. Ed Davis, for <laughs> what it appears right now, is willing to take a discount. That's basically that's been the subtleties of of what has come out of in the media over the past couple couple weeks. Um, I would love to trace that back to whatever the source is because I feel like that's a narrative that we've all just made up. Um, like, oh, he's got twins, so he's going to stay here. Like, yeah, well, there's, there's, there's more to it than the fact that he just has twins. When all of a sudden that Damian Lillard is coming out and, and camp in, in, yeah. in, in his camp, uh, yeah. the Blazers don't have the money to go out and pay, overpay for him. Lou Williams just uh-huh. took a $7 million deal. Do you, do you, do you think that the Blazers are they're, they're going to use that as leverage? I mean, uh-huh. that's, that's the key there. Um, on top of that, there's there's other things that we you know we can't talk about publicly here, but there are other things that that have kind of shaped this whole idea that um, Davis is is willing to come back and come back not necessarily for free here, but less than he would he would get probably on the open market for a top tier contender. Let's say mm-hmm. Portland's Portland's in in the uh, in the clubhouse with the lead right now. Let's put it that way. Oh, you know what? In June we have to do a. A podcast about what we think all the Ed Davis meetings are going to be like, because that's like one of my favorite off-season um, things to follow is the meetings that everybody takes, like mm-hmm. Kevin Durant out his south his house in the Hamptons that nobody could get to. I love all that stuff. So in June, we got to talk about what Ed Davis's meetings are going to be like. Let's move on to Shabazz and Pat Connaughton. Do you? <coughs> 
What, I'm, I'm, I made it through almost so the entire episode without coughing. It was it was close. Qualifying, <laughs> their qualifying offers are going to be pretty low, right? Because their second round. Yeah, because uh, they, because they were taken later. Shabazz Shabazz was a, was Shabazz's will be higher. Um, but I mean, okay, qualifying fine. offers and the money that they're holding them up. Uh, I don't think yeah. that's going to be an issue. I think Shabazz has out out outplayed um, or outperformed his ability for Portland to resign him. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. He's he's a luxury signing at this point in time. Um, so, what do you think is going to be the market for a backup point guard, or do you think that some young developing team might take him on as a? Uh, he's a fringe you know, starter. As a main point guard. He, yeah, he's a he's a yeah. fringe starter. Um, six man of the year. Like type Orlando or, or not even six or man somebody. of the year. Six, a six man type. Yeah, exactly. Well, not Orlando because you know that's you know where he came from. <laughs> oh yeah, um, <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, there. I mean, there are certainly going to be teams teams out there. I, see, Memphis is actually one that I, I thought of. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's a two way point guard that can create his own shot. He can shoot from three. He's a, he's a defensive minded uh, guard. Um, there, there are a lot of things I like about Shabazz Napier and because of the way the market is right now in the NBA and free agency, I think you can get him, um, on a deal that would be cheaper than would otherwise be there. Mm-hmm. So like, what are you talking about? Wild, wild stab in the dark. I think it would wild be the, like, like the full MLE. So it was that like nine? Yeah. It's going to be right around there. I think it's going to be like 8.7. I think is the last mm-hmm. calculation I did. It, it'll, it'll change. Um, as it's set for the season, but um, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what I think it'll be around, and I think Shabazz has earned it, um, mm-hmm. especially if, if especially if you're going to use him as the guy who's going to be your sixth man, um, mm-hmm. then he's he's certainly worth that. Um, he's young, yeah. he's he plays both ends of the floor, he can set the floor for your team on the offensive end. Um, he can shoot. well, and he's also I mean, he's also he's not that young. Uh, you know, because he was a four-year college player. Yeah, but he's not old so, either. And, and again, this no. for him, he's gonna want to get his bag too. Like this is his mm-hmm. opportunity, and I, yeah. I don't, I don't blame him or anybody else for, for wanting to go get their money. Not, not one bit. Yeah. I would love guys to um to take hometown discounts for my for my fandom's sake. But in reality, yeah. if I'm in their position, in practicality. Yeah, if I'm in. That so you're position, thinking eight or nine a year for yeah. Shabazz. Okay, as a fringe starter. Yep, and I think and I, Pat's probably the, the the mini MLE or right around there is kind of what I, I would assume. And I think he's got a... Like four or five? Yeah, and I think he's got a future in the league. I mean, I, mm-hmm. paying four, four and a half a, a mil a year for a guy like Pat Connaughton to be a guy that comes off the bench, can play two in some three... Uh, be an energy player, knock down some threes. I mean, we all kind of know who Pat Conton is at this point, and I think he's mm-hmm. a player that you want to have on your team. Yeah. He, he doesn't break the bank. Th- th- that's how you create a good team, is you have these guys yeah. that can come in and give you production and, again, the, in, in those checkbox areas. And if you can get them at or below market rate, which I think you can with Pat Conton, um, then those are the deals that you have to make, especially if you're Portland. Um, the ones you have to shy away from are the guys like Napier who become a luxury signing when you have Damon CJ Portland. I mean, we've mm-hmm. talked about this before. Portland has, has found and groomed three of the best backup point guards in the NBA over the last decade and Patty Mills, mm-hmm. Tim Frazier, and now Shabazz Napier. Um, so if you're, if you're going to so have you think some they faith, might just, yeah, I think if you have some faith, they in might them, just go find another they might development find another, project because exactly. they know that they've got the coaches to develop the heck out of a point guard. Well, so I mean, they'll just go find another one. When you're playing behind Dame and CJ, you, you're, uh-huh. you're 
bound to learn through it at, at minimum by osmosis, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, well, and also, you know, by going up against them in practice every day. Exactly. <laughs> That's got to help. Yeah. Um, okay. So we were thinking Nurkic, you're thinking, uh, right now, 11, 12. Yeah. And I, I think there's probably a better than 60% chance that he comes back to Portland. And that may surprise some people that it's that low. Um, but I think there's a genuine fear from the Blazers that they may not be attached to him at the hip. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why we've seen so much Zach Collins and Ed Davis. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. they, they may lose the immediate contribution and production want, from Nurkic. I just want one more year. I, I, there's, just, there, there's no way Nurkic takes just the qualifying offer. I'm telling you, let me get me in a room with them. I got some convincing arguments. Yeah, if you can convince uh, him to get past that broken <laughs> leg, then by all means. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Dylan, for that question. And we would love to hear more questions from people who listen to the show. It's at Blazers Edge Pod, or sorry, it's Blazers Edge Pod at gmail.com. So send us, keep the questions coming. I got another question for you that's actually from me. It was um, a piece that was posted in Blazers on Blazers Edge today. And that was. Who would you like the Blazers to play in the playoffs? So not like spending a whole bunch of time looking at the standings, because one thing I think is so interesting right now is the Blazers could end up taking literally any of those teams. It's not like between a couple of teams. It's like nine different teams they could possibly play. So of all the teams who are currently in the race for the, uh, for the playoffs, who do you think the Blazers, who would you like to see the Blazers play? Uh, Eric Griffin and I were talking about this on Twitter last night. We were kind of going back and forth and we both look at like the, as far as like the pantheon of who Blazers would like to play is the Clippers as the most viable candidate for, for Portland. They, they just pose the least threat. They had the least amount of star power, the least amount of consistency with the roster. Um, health has always been an issue for them. No, you're not really terrified of anybody on that roster. Tobias yeah, Harris is they've a had nice a nice player. run, but at yeah. some point it might. It, it's, it's, it's something that can easily falter. Um, after that, um, for me, it's the Nuggets. And Jokic oh, and Murray. Really? Yeah, it's in. Oh. And Jokic and Murray are phenomenal players, and Gary Harris is, is, a, is a nice, solid, to even great player. Um, none of them have, I don't none want of, that. None of them have playoff experience at That's all. That's true. I mean, the, the, like, the only guy on that roster who has any playoff experience is Millsap. Yeah. And he's still got to oh. round into form. And think about this. Dame and CJ are going to cook no matter what. Murray and Harris are, are, are nice players. Like Denver's biggest struggle is defending the pick and roll. And I was talking to Adam Morris, who covers the Nuggets, and he's he, the two teams that he wants to face the least in the playoffs are Portland and Houston. Why? Mm-hmm. What, what do both those teams have? Pick and roll guards from hell. Yeah. Harden and CP3, Dame and CJ. Yeah. And here's the thing here's the difference that, the, or at least what Port can, Portland can exploit in that pick and roll coverage is that not only do they have the guards that kill you, Nurkic. Rolling to the rim is something that Denver has struggled with. Think about the matchups between Nurkic and Jokic. Jokic has gotten the better of them once since he came to Portland. Every other time, Nurk has absolutely rolled Jokic. Well, that's only been two other times, right? They've only played three. It's not. 
It's not, is it three? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, it, and it hasn't been close. Not a huge. Okay. I don't know. I motivated Nurkic plus Damon CJ and the production they've been getting from Aminio. I, I take Blazers and six pretty, pretty handily. Just, just on the fact that the Nuggets just don't have any of that experience at all. My Uh, stomach would just be in knots the entire time. It would be so not fun to watch. It would just be ugly. Uh, no, I I think if you're looking for ugly series, like here, here's how I kind of look at this. And this is the, this is the discussion that Eric and I had was that the matchups that I look at are basically, uh, an ascending order of star power as far as preference, not the Clippers don't really have any star power. Jokic is kind of star power. I mean, he's a great player, phenomenal player, but he's not scaring the death out of you with his experience. You know what I mean? Like he, he doesn't have uh, a, a well to, pu- to to pull from uh, in the playoffs, yeah. um, and then you, you well, just kind of go down. Neither does Nurkic really? No, but Damon CJ do. Yeah, that's and true. Those are two guys I will count on night in, and night out. Uh, after that, if the Timberwolves had Butler, I would want nothing to do with the Timberwolves because the length that team possesses. I just, but without Butler, that's probably the now. Jazz. Let me go Jazz first. That's the way I had last night, too. Uh, I was forgetting Utah there for a second. Um, Gobert was something that is something of a, of, of a sphinx, I guess, in a riddle. Um, Dame was destroying Gobert um, there for what felt like a couple years, and it seems like Gobert kind of figured Dame out and has been able to stifle him a little bit lately. So that bothers me a little bit. But again, if we're talking about playoff experience and star power, because that's ultimately what it comes down to in the playoffs is how well can your big name guys get, get going? Um, mm-hmm. So I would lean towards that matchup and then Minnesota Sands Butler. And then the, I think the wild card here is the Pelicans after that. Anthony Davis, I mean, he just had a triple double tonight with 10 blocks. Yeah. That man, there, there is nobody on Portland. He can carry a game and a series against Portland. If Drew Holiday plays like what we've seen over the last couple of weeks and Miller starts knocking down some threes, Portland could find themselves in trouble in that series really quickly. And that's not a shot at Portland. That's just how good Anthony Davis is. But on the mm-hmm. flip side of that, Damian Lillard has been so good that may just those two may just kind of cancel each other out. Uh, but well, still, and again, AD the Pelicans don't have, they don't have playoff. How much, how much playoff experience do they have? They're not much. I mean, I think... Holiday and Rondo are probably the only guys who have any real experience um, yeah. up and down the lineup. Because um, I do I do buy into the playoff experience being super important. It is a real thing, and that's, uh, that's why Cat with Minnesota doesn't bother me as much, as great as he's been. Uh, mm-hmm. But if they had Butler, that, that, that throws a wrench in there because you, then you've got Butler and Taj out there with Jeff Teague, who's another savvy playoff guy. Um, Butler's to me is the key that kind of brings that all together. Um, and then after that, it's the the Thunder because, heaven forbid, I don't want to see Paul George and Russell Westbrook every possession. Um, yeah, they can be a nightmare, and yeah, they could, they, you know, Russell can shoot himself out of a game, but he also has the ability to completely take over. Um, and so does Paul George. Um, see, that OKC is my choice. And I know that, like you were, like you were saying, I, you know, the biggest risk right there like you were saying is the playoff experience yeah, it's a star power but and the playoff experience those guys they know the how blazers to get totally have their the have okc's number things change in the playoffs <sighs> yeah you, you, but you but, can't look at the regular season but, always 
But both teams, I think both teams would have the ability to adapt. And I think Portland is more adaptable because Russell Westbrook will just try to continue to be Russell Westbrook every single game. And maybe the other guys will come up with a few different plans, but like he doesn't change all that much. And I think the Blazers could, could adapt. Plus here's a couple other reasons why I love watching Steven Adams and Nurkic go up against each other. It's just so entertaining. I just love watching them. I just love watching that matchup. And I also think it would be fun because the Blazers have played the Sonics four times, but they've never played this team since they moved to OKC. And at that last OKC game, there were a lot of people came down from Seattle. And I think a lot of people would come down from Seattle and boo and hiss against the Thunder. And I think it would be really fun to have that opportunity. We have enough people booing and hissing. Keep keep those Seattle people up in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I I mean, I think they would come down and they would cheer for the Portland team. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. I just. I think it no. would be fun. I, I, I just, don't oh. the, the the volatility of that series. I want no part of. Like it's just like if we're looking for like the smoothest path path for Portland, I, I don't I don't want two guys on a, to play a team with two guys who can just shoot their team into a series and completely steamroll. Yes, Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook, and I know that sounds dumb to say, but he's also a guy who's carried his team, willed his team. Through thick and thin, there's there's something to be said about that. And yes, he has a history against Portland of falling apart. But again, these just aren't things that you want to screw with. Um, and here's here's the ones probably gonna catch people off guard. My my next most preferred matchup is the Rockets. I okay. will not trust James Harden and Chris Paul in a big game scenario, a game six or a game seven, a deciding game. Until they actually do it, James Harden I just has don't want that to be against the Trailblazers. Yeah, I, I get it, I get it. <laughs> but you know what, Dame's proclivity for big game theatrics, pretty decent resume. And if it came down to it, I'd be willing to take him over the other guys. That's that's the that's the the deal behind that. Um, I want to see I want to see the way I want to see the more recent iteration of the team play the Houston Rockets before we get to that point, because I see what you're saying. But, you know, back when they played them earlier in the year, it was just they were so outmatched. Um, I can't remember. How how did that game go? Um, Not good. It went into the fourth quarter. Then Chris Paul and James Harden went five out. Yeah. But I think I would, I'd like to see if I might be able to come over to that after seeing how the new and improved Blazers do against Houston. And if there's a huge leap in their ability to contain them, then yeah, I could, I could see that. Again, this is, we're at the bottom of the list as far as like preference goes. It's not like I want to play Houston in the first round. (laughs) I mean, Chris Paul and James Harden are still Chris Paul and James Harden. Like, but yeah. I mean, like if we're talking about this, if they've matched up in the second round, like I want Portland to be in the bracket to where they get the first round matchup that they want. But in the second round, if they have to play Golden State or Houston, give me Houston. And it's not so much give me Houston because I don't want to face Golden State. That's that while it's certainly true. I want Houston because I think that they will fold like a lawn chair if it comes to the, to the time for the big game. Like James, yeah. James Harden has had some of the worst big game moments in modern NBA history. 
It's really a puzzle. It is really. 14 turnovers in a game by himself is one of the more staggering statistics I've ever seen. Well, that was that last game, right? Yeah, where he just yeah. fell I'm apart. Sure he had a, I think he had a concussion in that game. He, but he's, he's I, had, just, here's the thing, he's had, I think, three or four games this year where he's had 10-plus turnovers by himself. Hmm. So this is yeah. not, unless he gets concussions frequently, which I find hard to believe because <laughs> it's not, it's usually not him getting hit in the face with the elbows. It's him hitting other people in the face with his elbows. So I just, <laughs> I just find that hard to believe. Um, as I sit here and watch the highlights of Cat absolutely destroy Draymond Green. Good God, he made him look horrible all game long today. Um, but, I mean, then obviously, then it, here's, this is the kicker, I think, for, for people that wondering where they may fall in here as far as uh, who I want to see next is the Spurs. Mm-hmm. As long as Popovich is there, I want no part of the Spurs. Right, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, you just, especially in a multi-game series. Yeah, Ugh. like I'm just—we're talking about star power and playoff experience, blah blah blah. The, that team is—they is, are the White Walkers of the NBA. And I know the Bleacher mm-hmm. Report did that—you know, the game of zones, and it's a joke. <laughs> no, seriously, those no. guys are like the Living Dead. You can't no, kill them. Vampires. You can't stop. You can't stop them. They just find a way to get it done. Yeah, they haven't won a title, and yeah, they haven't made the Western Conference Finals, but they're still a nightmare. Like Not you, recently. Yeah, it's, you just don't <laughs> want any part of them. I, unless you're a upper echelon, no doubt title contender who you want to mark beat Spurs and playoffs off on your march to the finals. Because, I mean, you, ultimately you end up having to go through them. That's just kind of the mm-hmm. way it goes. And like, I, I just, I don't think Portland's prepared have your to take sharpened that. wooden stakes ready to take on. Yeah, you need, the your, dra- you need your dragon glass. Yeah, well, you can go with the mo- with the more modern uh, Game of Thrones reference. Yeah, I'm going to stick what? with van- the you, classic you, vampires. You would go with vampires, you freaking Zach Collins fan. I know a lot about vampires, Dan. If you want to talk about that sometime offline, I can appre- I can really impress you with my knowledge mm-hmm. of vampires, which, which I've t- picked up from teenage vampire shows. Yeah. Although I don't know Twilight as well as you do. I, I only knew the uh, the one Twilight reference that uh, mm-hmm. Shane and Joe kept bringing up on the show, so... <laughs> No, you've revealed yourself before as someone who's watched Twilight. Yes, I am a I've got, big I got Twilight one fan. One more thing to discuss with you tonight. Um, there's been a ton of MVP talk, and should Damien be in the conversation? And now he appears to be in the conversation. Congratulations to him for <laughs> putting on such a magnificent show that nationally people are now talking about Damien being in the conversation. Um, they tuned into, they must have tuned into one of our podcasts, Dan, and yeah. heard you make your co- very compelling arguments about why Damien should be in Started the MVP two playoffs. months ago. I keep going back to, for these awards, they're so subjective, or they seem to be so subjective. Yeah, you know, especially of course they when are. you have all these different writers. The rules and change every can- year. And, and do they even have rules? Yeah, I mean, writers have their own rules, and those are subject to change. Right. Like there's an asterisk. They have you their do. own personal rules. Yeah. There yeah. is no, here's the minimum qualifications. And I'm going to go back to the Olympics. You know, I, that was a time that, you know, we we talked about how the Olympics went for me. But one of the things that I did like about what they do in the Olympics is, like, when they do the the judged events – there are some like pass fail or, you know, like green, 
yellow, red? Did they do this one thing? Did they do this one thing? And I would just like to know that this, uh, these rubrics were being consistently applied, even within one voter's system. So I'm trying to come up with what my system would be for voting for MVP. And I was trying to figure out which statistics would be the best to look at. And I have a few, and I want to know what you think. Um, so obviously points per game has got to count in there somewhere because you got to score the most points to win the game. So that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be the top scorer every night, but I'm thinking leading the league in scoring or being one of the top scorers is very important to an MVP. Then you could look, then you could look at plus minus, but there are so many different variations of the plus minus. Would you use any of them? Like the box score plus minus? I I, I wouldn't touch those. I I just wouldn't. No, I I think there's, there's an intrinsic value that it's, um, God, this is a terrible example. Um, the, the, the old, the old adage of, uh, it's like porn, you know, it when you see it. And I think that's how, that's how a lot of people view MVP, uh, candidates. You just, you, you, you know, when you look at one of these guys, if they're in that category and that's, that was the discussion that we had a few weeks ago. I'm not allowing people to say, Oh, you know, when you see it, I'm saying, what are the things that you judge them by? I'm talking about what (laughs) they look at. And there are things that go with it. Obviously scoring is huge. Win loss is huge. Impact is huge. Uh, Assists, rebounds, um, defensive player of the year type votes. Um, the first team all NBA caliber player. I mean, there's a lot of boxes that you tick, but I think there, there's a difference between most outstanding player, LeBron James and most valuable player. Most valuable player. Is, so you're on the Rachel Nichols, uh, uh, train to have two different awards. Yeah, no, I, we, I've talked about this for years now. Like there, there's a difference between the best player in the league and the MVP. Otherwise Michael Jordan would have, 12, 13, 14 MVPs. I mean, that's this, that's just the reality of it. LeBron James would but have it's, 10 MVPs right now. But all the voting has gone on behind closed doors mm-hmm. and everybody has their own little black box for what their judgments are. I would just like to see something more concrete. Um, I, I like that it is how it is. And I know how wonky that sounds. Um, I that would doesn't like, sound I, wonky at all. That sounds like feelings. I feel like I see that this person no, is the best, and so I, I'm going to give them my vote. That's I, not I, wonky at I all. I like how it changes because then it becomes more about the story as opposed to chasing numbers to be an MVP. Um, I would like to see both the uh, most outstanding This is the year MVP. after the MVP winner clearly chased the numbers in order to win the MVP. Yeah. And, and that, that, but that was part <laughs> so you of like the, that. That was part of the story. Think about the discussion that's come about that and think about how it's discussed now and how there's been a, a rapid overcorrection um, to uh, back to impact. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, there was a legitimate argument for, for Westbrook to win it. There was a legitimate ar- argument for Harden to win it. The fact that they went to Westbrook after doing what he did, which was st- statistically historic, made sense. Not that I 100% agreed with it, but I know why they did it. And the fact that they're, that Harden's the, the guy in the clubhouse leading right now and will win it makes sense. I mean, personally, again, if we're talking about most outstanding player, um, I'd give it to LeBron. 
mean, he's still just doing ridiculous things. Um, as far as how all this relates to Portland, Damian Lillard should get MVP consideration. He should finish with a handful of third, fourth, fifth, fifth place votes. Since February 8th, okay, here, here's, here's the distinction, and, and Ben Gulliver put this great. Me and him have talked about this a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Um, there's the reason Harden is going to be the guy is because he's done it from night one. There's consistency to his game. And with that, I think that needs to be rewarded. And I think that's part of the reason why Westbrook won it last year. To average a triple-double means your production has to be through the roof, night in, night out. And yeah, whether there's some stat padding and stat chasing, for sure. But that's that's a lot of consistency and a lot of effort. Um, and he took a, a very, very mediocre team um, a lot further than anybody else anticipated. To Harden, have a pretty good season. Yeah. I mean, what they finished Pretty with, good. They, they didn't with, have a great season. They finished with 47 wins. Yeah. And they were banged up pretty much pretty the whole good. year. Um, I mean, the Rockets weren't that much better than them last year. We're not talking about the difference between 47 and 62 wins, you know? Um, so I get why they went that way. Damian Lillard should get consideration, but he definitely shouldn't win it um, simply because he hasn't been doing this the entire year. If Dame had been doing this the entire year, one, the Blazers would most surely be at 50-ish wins right now um, or about to approach 50 wins, I should say. And two, um, he would be regarded as maybe the best player in Blazers history because the production he's had over the past month alone has been staggering. Because I wanted to bring this stat up because I saw it pop up earlier. Since February 8th, Damian Lillard is leading the league in scoring, which is more than AD, more than Harden, more than LeBron, more than KD, at 33.3 points per game. He's shooting 46% from the field. That's better from the field than Booker, better than the field from Harden. I mean, better than the field from Westbrook. I mean, you're talking about the guys in the league, right? He's shooting 41% from three, which, again, is better than all of these guys across the board. And he's taking 10 threes a game, which is number one in the league. Then you throw in the fact that he's getting 10 free throws a game where he's shooting just under 90%. So the man is averaging 33 points a game, shooting 46, 40, 90, with six assists and four rebounds. And the big takeaway here is that only Houston, again, James Harden, Chris Paul, and Toronto who have DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. And DeMar's another guy who should get some MVP consideration. Um, but they're the only teams with more wins in that period. Portland's 11-1, and one, Houston and Toronto are 12-1. and one. So, I mean, what they've been, what, what Dame has been able to do over the past month is staggering. But the crazy thing is, is James Harden's been doing it all year long. That's the mm-hmm. difference. Well, because I would like to follow some guidelines when I put together all those things that I listed (laughs) because I'm not a, Oh, I'll know it when I see it. Uh, James Harden does come out uh, on top of most of those. He gets the, you know, high scores and all of those things. And then the person who also appears the most and the highest, he doesn't come in second in everything, but he uh, appears places that not everybody appears. And that's Steph Curry. He's still, super productive and super important and super valuable. Well, yeah, without a doubt. So I, I mean, think he would be my second. I see. I would go, what? I would go Anthony Davis. 
Yeah. It, for, for me, well, for me, the the argument is Harden, then Anthony Davis, then um, I would put as crazy as this may sound, you, you could I, you could draw out of a hat between Steph, Dame, and LeBron. Mm-hmm. As far as we know, how valuable now? If you're talking about how valuable they, they are to their teams, I would I would go Harden, Damian, and uh, Davis. As far as mm-hmm. how valuable they are to their particular team, like if you took those guys off their team, what would we know? How would the team perform? Um, I mean, the, those are the so guys. Someone that hands you a so ballot. Much. Someone hands you a ballot today. Who's Who's on it and in what order? And that's a whole separate discussion is why do you get to vote for five different people? That's first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. That's like giving participation trophies. No, I mean, you, you have to in case things are really close. Oh, I mean, you think it, things are going to be close this year? No, I don't think when, so. I mean, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but I, you do have to, to differentiate things uh, because these these things also mean money to these guys. I mean, when mm-hmm. you're – when. You, that's that's leverage in a, in a yeah, negotiation. Yeah, it means money to these guys, and nobody has any guidelines on how to put in the vote. That's my point. Yeah, like I said. Anyway, so who, it's had fun. Who are, who's on your who's on your ballot? My ballot. Hard, we'll wrap it up. Harden's number one. Um, I'm still gonna put. Um, I'm actually gonna put uh, AD number two. I'll put Steph three, and and then Dame four. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's the order I'm gonna go with. And then five. You know what? Give Demar some love. Give my USC boy some love. You're not putting LeBron in there at all. No, just because of the way that the, the team has fallen off. They, they, uh, they we're, call it recency bias. When you get waxed by the Lakers, I just suddenly <laughs> care less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. D'Angelo Russell goes for 34 points on you. Julius yeah. Randle. Julius. Oh, sorry. I get those two conf- confused all the time. <laughs> Julius. Those are two weird Jews, ones to mix Julius. up. I don't know. I always get them confused. Well, because, yeah, anyway, I always have historically gotten the two of them mixed up. It happens. Anyway, you got anything else you want to share, any announcements to make? Or I don't know. There's always something exciting going on with you. You're going to be starring on this thing, and you're going to make an appearance on that thing. What's the latest, Dan? Um, Nothing huge right now coming down the pipe. Um, we, we, both Joe and Shane and I. Um, we'll be out and about making some appearances for, for, for Blazers Outsiders at your local watering holes to catch some, get some away games. Um, but in a few weeks, I, I, I've been told I, I can mention this now, um, the immediate post-game show following the Trailblazers will be hosted by your Blazers Outsiders, Joe Simon, Shane Brennan, and myself um, on the 27th and 28th. Those are the last couple road games, um, or the last part of that road trip, I should say. Um, Tuesday and Wednesday against the Pelicans and Grizzlies. The Pelicans one will be a fun one to, to host. The uh, Grizzlies one that'll be that'll be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trying to, <laughs> trying to pull the material for for you know on short notice for after that game. Uh, that'll be that'll be fun. But no, it's, it's actually really cool that we're getting the opportunity to be like the immediate post game show after that. So looking forward to that. Otherwise, uh, I'll be out and about with uh, with these guys to uh, to have some fun. All right. Well, look forward to seeing you guys around town and uh, catching you on TV. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, and you can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. And I write occasionally for Blazers Edge. I just, like I said, I just had the one asking people what their opinions are on who they want to uh, see in the first round of the playoffs. 
And I also am the host of the Women's Hoops and Talks uh, meetup, and we've got one coming up later on this month. We've got a Women's Hoops and Talks for women who love basketball and love cheer on the Trailblazer that's coming up on the 25th. Um, this month, we're at the McMinimans on Broadway, and women and family and friends are also invited to attend. Uh, it should be a fun game. It's, again, playing the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's the only thing that would be the downside of seeing them is I feel like I've already seen them six times this year. Yeah, it's weird. It feels like we've played them like six or seven times. It really does. But hopefully we will keep up that winning streak against them. And how about tell people uh, how to get you on social media and take us out of here. Yeah, as always, folks, you can find me on Twitter at DMarangs and on Instagram. Hit me up on either one of those if you guys want to interact. Um, if you guys have questions, comments for the show, please feel free and drop us an email. Um, or shoot either one of us a message on Twitter, DM, uh, whatever the case may be. We always love to hear from you guys. Uh, for Tara, I'm incredibly sick, Dan, so I'm going to go curl up in a ball and die. We'll go ahead and catch you guys next week.